Hey, well, what is up, everyone? You guys doing good? I, I don't know what it was when I was worshiping that last song. I don't know if you guys are thankful for this worship band, um, but the word thankful just came to my mind. I don't know. Can we give God praise? If you're thankful for something that God's done in your life, come on. Can we give God some praise? I don't think we do that enough. Um, but my name is Amir. If you're a guest with us, like this is your maybe your first time to Elevation or first couple of times, I just want to say welcome. We're not going to call you out or anything like that, man. We're just glad you're here worshiping with us, and I hope the Word of God encourages you tonight. Uh, but they're right. In a couple of weeks, we won't have a service on a Thursday. Our, our, not next week, the week after. Our service will be Collide Night. And so get excited about that. We get all the seventh grade through young adults in our church and surrounding churches come. We just pack the sanctuary, and it's a party for Jesus. You're going to love it. Hey, but before we get in the Word, I want to pray like we always do. I want to pray for another church like we always do. But there's a church, if you go... Uh, towards Greenbrier, it's still in Conway, called Church Alive, and they actually had a fire in their sanctuary. Uh, and no one was in there, thankfully it was late at night, but I just want to lift up that church, their staff, their leadership, what they're going to do. We just need God to be there. Can I get an amen on that? So let's pray if you'll bow your heads with me. Father, we love you so much, and Jesus, you're wonderful, man. I, I just am speechless by what you've done in my life, and I know there's tons of people in this room that would say the same thing, Lord. So, God, we're just honored to be with you, Lord. We pray that you would encourage us tonight with your word, and we're thankful that we can get together as a group of young adults and just grow together. Lord, we lift up Church Alive to you, God. We pray for their leadership. We pray for their pastors. God, I pray if our church or even this ministry right here can help physically labor, whatever it can be, Lord, I pray that you would show us opportunities. But, God, we pray peace over that church. We, we pray for just solutions this Sunday, wherever their congregation will meet, God. I just, I just know that you weren't surprised by this, Lord. We pray a blessing over that church. We're thankful for their impact in Conway. And, God, we're thankful that you are here today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Okay, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you guys the next two weeks on leadership. I'm really excited about it. Uh, there's a lot of things that make me happy, make my heart full, and leadership is one of them. And I was blessed with a lot of cool leadership experience in college up to now. I failed a lot in leadership. So it's really fun to teach stuff that you failed because I just don't want y'all to fail. We're going to take the questions like we have been texting next week. But if you had some right now or if you still have that number, you can text them in. I'll answer them next week. And I'm still going to answer those dating questions I never got to. Mark my words. You're going to get a random text from Pastor. Hey. Um, so, but I want to say this to you guys boldly just out the gate. I'm going I'm to come at y'all a little bit. You just need to know everyone in this room at the sound of my voice, you're a leader. Whether you believe it or not, whether someone has said something to you or not, whether you have failed or not, whether you've exceeded, you are a leader. And maybe that ability inside you hasn't grown, hasn't blossomed. Maybe you don't have that many experiences. Some of y'all in this room, I know you personally, and you have a lot of leadership right now. You've been blessed with a lot of organizational or maybe at your job, a lot of experience. And so we are just called and believed as a ministry. That's one of the things we want you to do. When we say find your place, we want you to help you grow as a leader and send you out so you can lead and be a light for Christ in this world, wherever that is, school, work, job, friends, family. But you got to know that where you lead is always up to God. So if you're like, man, I'm desiring leadership, just ask. But what's cool about God is he's already placed you in a family. He's already placed you in a friend group. He's already placed you in a community. He's already, if you're a college student, he's placed you in a school. If you're a young adult, he's placed you in a job setting or a friend group of some sort. That's what's really cool. But this is the main point of tonight. It'll be on the screen. I want you all to write this down. It's simply this. In order to be a great leader, you must first be a great follower. Ooh, curveball. I thought we were talking about leadership, Amir. We ain't talking about leadership, but we're talking about following, too. Because I just believe, man. I know this from my life because I, I had a lack in this. you got to be a great follower if you want to be a great leader one day. I believe we have a lid on top of our leadership that God wants to remove, but we have to know how to follow people. There's incredible men and women of God, people above you right now that want to help you grow, but we have to be open to that. Aristotle, Aristotle that's not a guy. That's a famous bird. Uh, Aristotle once said, 
I tweeted this day. He who cannot be a good follower cannot be a good leader. That dude's OG, too. He's like old, old testament. He's like gangster, original. You know what I'm saying? He said a lot of cool things. But what you need to know, Elevation, is the truth. You're always going to be led by someone for the rest of your life. And something that, that challenges you to hear because you love to lead. Just think about it. For the rest of your life, whether it's a job, family, unless you are one percentage that might own your own business, but what's going to happen, you're going to hope that the people that, that follow you are the followers that you were one day. Can I get an amen on that? If some of you are, are desiring to own your business one day. So it's not a seasonal thing following. The rest of your life, you're going to follow someone, especially in your job place. And so I think it's important to take mind of that and be a great follower now so we can be a great leader one day. And a lot of you guys I know, you're blessed with leadership opportunities now. And there's people under you who follow you. And you want to be a great model for them. Let me give you some examples. If you're a college student, it might be an organization you're involved with. If you're in student government, if you're in the orientation staff, if you're an athlete, whether it's your seniors, captains. Uh, I know there's people that are in Greek life in this room. It's your executive board. It's the people in chairs that I know that sometimes sound like a crazy thing, but they were placed there for a reason. I mean, you even voted them in. Clubs. Um, if you got, not clubs, like we go out in the club. That's good. That's my leaders. Oh, man. I'm going to stop before I say something crazy. Um, your job. Young adults, it could be like a manager, regional director. I don't know. Sometimes you get time with your boss's boss. And how many of you know it's really cool in a job setting that you get to soak up or any time with someone up in management, you're like, this is really cool because we aspire to grow, right? For me, I was blessed with a lot of cool opportunities in undergrad. I had a lot of incredible leaders in front of me, a lot of incredible advisors that really invested me and I didn't even know at the time. But when I graduated, I got my master's in, in counseling. The first job I had, my regional director was my, the person who I, who, who I followed. And she oversaw all the clinics in this region, and so she would make sure we're in compliance, we were doing things ethically right, but I followed her lead. What, uh, the, the success of our clinic happened to be if all of us followed her well. What's cool now is like, you might say, well, Mir, that doesn't happen for you much now. Well, I'm the pastor of Elevation. I get to be blessed to be y'all's pastor. But I am led by our Conway pastors, Neil and Gina. And they are led by our senior pastors, Rick and Michelle. So I'm just trying to give you the example of my life. You're always going to be led by someone. So it's crazy to think that following is not an important thing, right? And uh, what I love about New Life Church, our church, if this is your church home or if you're just figuring out where your church home be, if you don't get anything else from New Life Church, you need to know this is our heart for you, that you would become and grow in a fully devoted follower of Christ. That's what we'll say for the rest of our life. That's what we have, different campuses. We're trying to reach the gospel in new places so people can grow in their faith with God. That's what it comes down to. Key word of that phrase, follower of Christ, right? And the cool part of my whole talk, I'm going to give you a couple points to encourage you as a follower. But guys, it always comes back to your relationship with Jesus. And as you're growing in your relationship with God and following him, and he's going to teach you how to be the best follower you can be. That's what's cool about God. Check out this verse. It'll be on the screens, but if you want to write it down, it's Colossians 2. Verses 6 and 7, Paul's talking, he says this, And now, just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow, keyword there, with thankfulness. And what I love about this is he's kind of giving us a process, Paul. He's saying, hey, you got to accept Jesus. Most of you in this room has done this, and maybe you've never made that decision. We're not going to press you, but I, just get, I would just ask you to consider consider Jesus tonight. But he says, hey, you got to continue to follow him. And not only follow him, we want you to grow your roots down deep. That's when we talk about find your place in Christ. It's not a one-stop shot. I met Jesus. I'm good. No, we want to grow deeper and deeper in our relationship with God, building our life on him. And this is what I love. It says the result is this. Your faith will grow strong in truth. What's truth? Guys, truth is the word of God. That's what it is. You're going to have faith built up in you. We're going to the, through the word as a church because we want to be built up in truth. And you will overflow with thankfulness. I want you all to take note of this, Salvation. 
when it comes to following Jesus, the end result is always thankfulness. What's the opposite of thankfulness? It's regret. So we can follow a lot of things in this world. I'm going to tell you that now. I follow a lot of the wrong things in school. But when we follow Jesus, it always, always results in thankfulness. And that's a good place to give God a little amen. You know what I'm saying? So in order to be a great follower, you got to be a great leader. I've entitled this message, But Can You Follow? It's just a question. So because you'd be like, Amir, I want to be a leader. And I'd say, but can you follow? I, some people, some guys I meet with our ministry, like, Amir, I want to grow my leadership. Well, the first thing they'll ask them is, but how well do you follow? And usually they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I didn't get it right either. I just want to challenge you with that. So I want to give you three qualities in a, in a mere fashion, three-point message of a follower of a leader. There's a hundred ways you can follow. But I just, when I was praying for you guys, when I've been reading some different stuff over the past couple of months, these are the three things that really stuck out to me. So if you're taking notes, the first one is this. A great follower practices healthy confrontation. Ooh, some of y'all heard the word confrontation. You're like, oh, Amir, I don't know about this. Healthy confrontation. It's the key right there. Healthy. Each one of these, I'm going to give you a point, a scripture to go along, and then uh, I'm going to give you a question at the end to challenge yourself with. Excuse me. Matthew uh, chapter 18, verse 15 and 16, Jesus is talking, and he's basically saying, he's given the church uh, some parameters to handle conflict. Hey, when there's beef between y'all, when there's challenges between y'all, this is a good way to handle it. So this is Jesus, red letters talking. Read it with me. If your brother or sister's sins, or another version say sin against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over, you've resolved the issue. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, and, and with every matter it may be established by testimony of two or three witnesses. Meaning, hey, if, if, if you go with them and you confront them healthily and you talk, you try to resolve and it doesn't work, hey, you can bring another leader, another friend in your life, because the goal is resolution, say, hey, let's talk about this. And if they refuse, well, well, then it's kind of a new story from there. I love what Jesus said, the key thing, you have to go to the person. But if you're like me, countless times we go to someone else. And sometimes it's refuge. Sometimes we just want to process. Sometimes we just want to vent. But how many of y'all know sometimes it's gossip? Sometimes we're talking crap. Sometimes we're so mad at them. And it's crazy that another thing that I know I've done in the past is we might vent this out in social media. And the word I'm going to use is ominously. Because I have friends at home in Oklahoma. And these dudes will just tweet. And they're like, man, she'll never know what she's missing out on. I'm like, who is she? And what is she? Three hours later, she don't know what she didn't have. No, no one knows what any of that means. That doesn't make any, th- any kind of sense. You're just making up words and putting a girl's name, in, not a girl's, a, a, a feminine word. And then he's like, yeah, she'll miss me. So I went home last time and I said, who are you tweeting at, bro? And he's like, you know, I'm like, you haven't broken up with anyone recently. You're not even dating anyone. He's like, yeah, you know, it's just like, it's like is that a song? He's like, no, it's just sometimes I feel like that. Man, it doesn't make any sense. Who are you talking to? Quit, just go talk to someone if you have a trouble. If not, quit tweeting these mystery tweets. Like, you're like laying home and like, well, I did know her. She'll miss me. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? But sometimes we do that, man. When I was in undergrad, I'll tell a story about this later. I was in Greek life, and it, it turned into the thing. When Twitter came out, that's how we talk crap. Y'all don't know me. It's at the intramural field. And it's like, who are you talking? This is the dumbest thing in the world. I need y'all to write this down. This is the thought. I want our goal when it comes to issues, confrontation, our goal has to be resolution, not victory. If you want to fight for something, I need you to fight for resolution, not victory. Because nothing's going to change if I'm right and you're wrong, or if you're right and I'm wrong, one of us is going to feel dumb. And we got to get to a place, young adults, that it's not always about being right, because there's going to be times, especially when you're married, I'm not quite there, but hello, people be telling me that you guys, we're not always going to be right, and girls, you're most of the time going to be right, but we're going to try to act like you're not right sometimes. And uh, I want you to fight for resolution. Let's just squash this. You're one of my best friends. 
you're my leader. Let's just get on the same page here. Because what the enemy wants to do is he wants to have a foothold. And his plan from the beginning of the garden was to separate you from God and separate you from each other. He's going to do anything he can, whether it was a misunderstanding, whether it's something you said, something you did, you didn't put the dishes up. Hello, roommates. We'll talk about it in a second. I told you to freaking clean the dishes. 17 days. You haven't cleaned the dishes. If you don't rinse the dishes one more time, <laughs> confrontation, right? I'm not even going to that. I just got hot talking about dishes. Woo! The counseling term is triangulation. When I, I have friends here, Seth and Andy, if I have a, an issue with Seth, I don't talk to Seth. I come talk to Andy about it. Sometimes we mean well, or I gossip about Seth, or I talk crap about Seth, or I vent to Andy about Seth, and then Andy might go talk to Seth about it. Or Andy might be, Seth, Andy's a good friend of Seth. He might say, hey, I want to give you a heads up. Amir's quite mad at you. Well, Andy never should have came in the equation. And we're, we're bringing other people in, and now it's a triangle, and then there's a deceit. And then, well, Seth, have you been talking about Mac? Well, now, Andy, you're talking. Why, Andy, why would you tell Seth? I'm trying to talk to you. Well, you're talking crap about Seth. Well, oh, my God, this is a tornado. And it's just crazy. And that's not what we want, ultimately, when we're talking about this topic. But let me say this. There is nothing wrong with getting wisdom from someone. I know I talk about this all the time. Maybe someone older, wiser, a lead in your life. So if you want to go to someone and say, I'm having trouble with a friend, with someone I'm following, with a, a friend, a, a team captain, I don't know what it could be. I need some wisdom. That's okay. But how many of y'all know, Neil is my, I follow Neil Greyhouse, our my pastor, and there has been times in my year and a half when I'm processing something hard with him, I'll bring someone up, one of my leaders or another pastor in our church, and he's like, okay, let me give you some wisdom. And I'll say, but this time this person frustrated me, he'll shut me down. He said, Amir, I'm sorry, I love you. We're not going to talk about the person, though. We're going to have covenant with them. We're, we're not. You're going to honor them. I'll process with you how you can have wisdom, but we're not going to talk about them. He'll literally shut me down. What Neil does, is why I love it. He'll say real crazy stuff. He'll be like, yeah, but blah, 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 blah. And you're like, what are you doing? And he's like, we're not going to talk about what I told you. I'll say something crazy. He does it every time. And so he'll just start screaming at random noises. But with confrontation, this is why I need y'all to know, because sometimes y'all hear that word and you get intimidated. I get it. When we say healthy confrontation, it's all about the how, how you do it. So guys, if we walk up to our friend and say, if you don't clean the dishes, I'm going to punch you in the nose, kick you in the shin, push you down, steal your wallet, and I win. That's not going to be, that's confrontation. Josh, you're muscular. You can't do that. But it's not good. It's not healthy confrontation. Check out the scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures right now. It's Sometimes scripture just keeps teaching me stuff. Ephesians 4, 29 for a season. Paul's talking. He said, do not let any unwholesome, unwholesome can be negative, hurtful, gossipy talk come out your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Man, when you talk to someone, when you confront someone, does it benefit them to listen? That's hard, guys. I know I'm just trying to coach you on how to be a good follower. In the church world, I know we have these church Christian words, words sometimes. It's speaking life or speaking death. There's no gray area. I'm sorry. We have the option. Proverbs says our, our tongue can speak life or can speak death. So we can, we can encourage people, give them courage, or we can discourage, take it away from them. That's what that, those words mean. And so I'm just trying to challenge you when it comes to confrontation, let's do it in a healthy way. So this could be someone you're following, Lord Jesus, it could be a roommate, <laughs> it could be your best friend. I giggled out my nose, that was crazy. <laughs> um, fraternity brother, sister, teammate, boss. Let me give you a little game plan. This is what I would do if I were you. And everyone's different timing. We're all, some of us are internal processors, some of us are verbal, some of us talk now, some of us got a deuce. It's okay. Um, I, would, I would go to that person, I would pray. However much you need. It can be a quick prayer. Be once. Why do you, why, I mean, why do I need to pray? I'm frustrated. It's really, really hard to argue with something, get mad at with someone that you've been praying for for a while. That's why. That's the number one thing people say in couples counseling. Pray for your spouse because it's really hard to get into it with them when you've been praying for them like crazy. And that sounds so countercultural, but God wants you to have resolution. He doesn't want you to have beef all the time with each other. He wants you to have healthy confrontation and conversations. And again, 
when we confront someone, whenever that timetable is, we want resolution in mind. Well, this is another thing we say in counseling. We want to use I statements. It's simply this. If I'm mad at my friend, I'm not going to say, hey, you did this, and you hurt me, and I'm mad at you, and you need to fix it. Well, there's no ownership in me, and, that's, and I'm going to be like, well, even if it was my fault. Just you sometimes need to bring yourself into it. So it's like, hey, hey, Sean, I got really challenged when you said that the other day, and I don't know if you meant to offend me, but I got pretty offended. And so I would love to talk about this with you. Do you see the difference in that? It's not a blame game. You're kind of letting them know how you feel. Guys, I know you're like, oh, beer, you're talking about feelings. That's really cool. Um, girls, you're like, ooh, I, I statements right now. Right, I get that. Okay. <laughs> it helps process the conversation. Let me give you an example. I worked at a restaurant here um, a couple years ago. And it was one of my first days, and it was like lunch, you know, so there's a busy time at lunch. And one of my shift managers, not my big boss, like my shift, just the leader of the shift, he was like, hey, Mir, hurry up, we got to get you going. He just like kept making fun of me. And so I'm like, okay, I don't really know this guy. That's the other thing. If I do him, he'd be like, okay, this is cool. He just kept giving, it was like really sarcastic, kept making fun of me. And I was like, this is not funny. I don't know why he's being like this. And a couple times it just embarrassed me. There's like, you know, there's tons of people here. And he's like, oh, Mir, if this guy would speed up, first day on the job, everyone. I'm like, yeah, I'm so excited to be here. This is terrible. Um, I'm going to flip a pizza in someone's face. But, and so after that, I was mad, I'll be honest with you. And normally I probably would have vented to someone, but we were so busy I couldn't move from my spot. And um, I, guys, I had never done this before, really, I promise. In undergrad, never. I was in grad school, and I, I, I just, I got relaxed. I went to the bathroom, I prayed. That's weird to say, but I was like, <laughs> just mad. It was like my third day on the job. And I went up to him, and I, said, I pulled him aside. I said, hey, man, can I talk to you? He said, yeah. I said, earlier, man, I don't know if you were joking, but, you know, you really embarrassed me in front of everyone, and it just really hurt my feelings, and I'm not trying to be rude. I know you're, like, kind of my boss, but, like, I don't know if you're trying to be sarcastic, but I just took that as you're just kind of be really rude to me, and he was like, oh, Amir, I am so sorry. No, dude, I, we're so glad you're here. I'm just trying to give you a hard time. I really like you. That's really cool, and I was like, well, bro, <laughs> it's good to know, but that's not how I felt. I, I mean, there's, like, 100 people around me, and you just made me feel like an idiot, and I, I just didn't feel like that at all, and so I confronted him, and he's like, bro, won't happen again. I'm so sorry. And I'll never forget, I was walking out, and he said, hey, Mary, I turned around, he said, hey, thanks for telling me and not telling everyone else. You could have easily went someone else, and, and this is a blind spot in my leadership. Someone's talked to me about this before. I had never got that right in my life before. I don't want you to think I'm awesome confrontationist. But he thanked me for not going and venting to the rest of our staff at Bankhead Hibble looked different. Was he in the wrong? Yes. But you got to handle it the right way. Here's a question to end with. It'll be on the screens. Just to help you process, challenge yourself. Do you like to talk? Do you talk to others about issues before you go to the source? It's that simple. Are we quick to go elsewhere before we go to the person and talk about it? And guys, again, I'm, your timetable is your timetable. Don't feel like you got to do it immediately. Number two, great follower continually gives honor. Continually, not once. This is going to challenge you on a good way. I want you all to write down or, or turn to Exodus 17, verse 10, second book of the Bible. And the scripture I'm going to read to you, we read about a week and a half ago in our year of the Bible reading. It's been super cool. That water bottle's in the ball. No, it's not. Okay. And so what's happened here, it's going to be on the screens, but Moses is the leader of Israel. And he's led the people out of Egypt away, away from, out of slavery. And they're going towards a promised land in this, this tribe. And I stuttered three times when I tried to say this when I was practicing. It's the Amel Amelekites. I was like, Amel 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 I just thought it was funny. <laughs> Kites. That song was in my head. I was like, okay. And I was like, no, that song's bad. I can't. Sorry. I was like, free. Turn on. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. It's the Amelekites. Were the ones, what's the, whose name is that? Um, they, these people ambushed him. So Moses looks at Joshua. He's basically the general of their army and says, Joshua, I need you to get the squad, man. We, we got to fight. We've got ambushed. And he's like, okay. Well, Moses has these two main followers. One's named Aaron and one's named Her. I was thinking of another song like Boots with the Her, you know, but it's just, it's crazy what will come in my brain when I'm trying to practice real. And um, so this is where the scripture picks up. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. 
And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. So think about this. Before God promised Moses, he spoke through him. He said, Moses, I'm going to give you these commands. I'm going to deliver you out of slavery. All you have to do is lift your staff up and speak. He actually had Aaron speak for him because he had a stutter. And uh, that's how God provides for him. And so he, every time he lifts, so the same promise is true. He's lifting his hands up, and they're winning in battle. But when it's going down, they start to lose. Imagine a battle's not five minutes, so wrap your mind around that. We'll keep going. When Moses' hands grew tired, watch this. I want you all to see this visual. They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. So they're on top of a hill overlooking this battle. He's like this, getting tired, and they literally put a rock under him so he can do this. And he's still like doing, I mean, this is probably, Moses is like, God, you did this again. I'm just standing here with my arms up. This is awkward. And he's just standing there. They put a rock under him. Next verse, because he grew tired. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset, not five minutes. So Joshua overcame the Melchi army with the sword. So, the, so what Aaron didn't do, he didn't go fight. He didn't say, Moses, why don't you keep your arms up? He didn't say, I got this, Moses. He walked over by his side, lifted his arm up for him, and stood there faithfully. And I know none of y'all are going to be doing that to the people you follow. I'm not saying this physically. But metaphorically, that support that they held, I would ask you the same thing. The people you follow, are you holding their arms up? That's what I would ask you today. I challenge myself. Am I holding Neil and Gina's arms up? They're my pastors. I know I'm going to give a lot of reference for a church. I know y'all don't work at a church, but I'm trying to make it come to life for you. Because this is what you can do. When you're following someone, whether it's a job, an organization, you're in Greek club, a team, whatever it is, this is the, the, the line it crosses. Do you support them by doing your job well and take weight off them? Or do you add burden and stress to them? That's a good way to measure. Am I taking weight off people doing my job well or doing my role well or, or working at my job well and I'm taking weight? Or am I adding things to them? Because we're called to support the people that we follow. I'm talking about loyalty. So here's some characteristics that make it apply. Assuming the best in people, I know that's hard. Having their back, believing in them, this is my favorite. Covering their weaknesses. I have weaknesses. I'm not perfect. I try to do my best. I try to be the best pastor I can be. I'm not perfect. There's people on this two rows that are on my leadership team that are on staff that support me. There's areas that I am weak. And they could call me out, they could talk crap about me, they could make fun of me, they could get mad at me, but they hold my arms up. I'm not the best planner at times. I like to plan, I'm not very good. There's a couple girls I've issue who just play it, play it, play it, they're incredible at it. And they hold my arms up. They don't put me on blast, they don't make fun of me, they said, no, we got your back, Amir. And that's what I'm talking about with these people under you. Pastor Rick always says this quote to our staff, I'm going to bring it to you because it's just so good. He always says, public loyalty leads to private leverage. Public loyalty leads to private leverage. What does that mean, Amir? We're honoring, serving, holding the arms up, being loyal, covering the weaknesses of the leaders, the bosses, the people above us in public, in front of people. Not manufacturing anything, but we're not just showing our loyalty where it's just me and them, in front of people. And then when we're one-on-one with them, we get a new right. We get new influences. We get to leverage our relationship with them because we have shown faithful to them. We need to be a generation of faithful people, Elevation, and what I love about this is that your tr- their trust for you grows and they can give you more. That's what they ultimately want to do. We want to move up in our organizations. Let me tell you a story about how I failed at this. It's really good. So about three years ago, we were right in that room over there. We had a pre-service meeting. There was about 50 volunteers and leaders in there. And our pastor at the time, Garrett, 
was saying something very important. I think he was leading a devil, and at the end of the devil, he said, hey, this is happening like Collide Night. This is happening in two weeks, but he was still in a very serious mode. And I was coming on stage, I think, to do announcements, so I was just kind of on the, standing on the edge of the stage, and I remember I interrupted him. He's like a serious moment. I said, no, no, Garrett, I think that's in two weeks. And everyone just kind of whipped their head at me, and it, and it was just really awkward. And, and he said, oh, no, Amir, I think it's next week. And I was like, no, 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 I think it's in two weeks. I was oblivious, guys. And he's like, you know, he's our pastor. You just want to show him honor. But it was just really weird. Everyone was weird. And I was just like, well, why is everyone looking at me? What's the big deal? And he just kept talking. And I didn't think anything of it. I, right here in the sanctuary, I'll never forget it. He said, hey, Amir, can you come here? And I said, yeah. And he, he, he signaled me over and he said, hey, bro, I, I just want to let you know, man, when you interrupted me in front of everyone, I just don't know if that was the most honoring thing. And I said, what are you talking about? He's like, bro, you just made me look dumb in front of 50 of our leaders and volunteers. And, dude, I, I love you. I know that wasn't your intention. I'm not mad at you, but I'm your pastor. Like, why? I'll, I'll, and he just coached me. He didn't yell at me. He didn't eat healthy confrontation. That's what it was. He said, bro, I, I know your intent wasn't to make me look dumb, but that's what happened. And, bro, if you see a weakness in me or if you see something I'm wrong, I need you to tell me in private. I don't need you to say it in front of everyone and make me look foolish. And my hands started shaking, guys, because that wasn't my intent. My heart started beating. I was like, Garrett, I am so sorry, dude. That, no. And he's like, no, no, you're fine. I know. He's like, that's just what I felt like, and I need you to know that so it won't happen again. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> won't happen again. And I don't want you all to have that moment with the people you fall under. Ask yourself this question. Do you assume the best and cover your leader's weaknesses? Do you assume the best? Even on their worst day, do you assume? God has called you in place. I know that's crazy to think, but God has placed you in places for a reason. Even you call students and it's just an organization. But he's put you there for a reason. Number three, we're going to finish land this plane. First one, healthy confrontation, continuing to honor. Third, great follower, maintains integrity. Has and maintains integrity. This is an important one. Philippians 4, 8, write that down, flip it in your Bible, it'll be on the screens. Paul's talking, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And when he was saying that, he didn't want them just to think about it. He wanted them to speak it and apply it in their lives. Literally one verse later, he says, put what I have told you into practice. When I think of these words, these are words that summarize integrity to me. And if you want to be a great leader one day, and I'm trying to preach to you about following, you got to have integrity elevation. Some people say integrity is doing the same thing in the public as it is in the, in the quiet of your room in the dark. Some people say it's walking the walk and talking the talk. Some people say that the Webster def de definition was the soundness of moral character. Integrity. You've heard of integrity before. Let me tell you what the word of God is. It's obeying the word or obeying what God puts on your heart joyfully. That's integrity. When God asks you to do something, we do it, and we don't just pick and choose of what God asks us to do. That's not easy. I, I had this thought when I was preparing for y'all. I believe it's from God. I want you to write it down. It's just this. Our integrity always decides what our reputation will be. Our integrity always decides what our reputation will be. So if you want to have a great reputation, not to live for people, man, but you want to honor the people that you follow. You want to be one day a leader worth following. I'm going to talk about that next week. Your reputation is 100% connected to your integrity. And remember, we're talking about being a great follower. You have to know this. Guys, your personal choices are always more than you, especially the way social media is nowadays. I love snapping and gramming and tweeting and all these things and videos, but sometimes when we do crazy stuff, that goes out somewhere. One day you're going to apply for a job, and nowadays they search those. They, have, they, have, they pay people to search your social media. And if your integrity was off, man, I'd hate for you to miss your dream. It was a couple fun nights. 
I, I just want you to match your integrity. But you got to know that your choices affect the people in the organization around you, too. And this is what you need to know from someone who gets to lead people. We don't expect you to be perfect. We just expect you to strive for integrity in your life. Authentic people. We just want you to strive for that. I never expect the people who do stuff in Elevation Life Church to be perfect. I just want them to want integrity in their lives. And, and, and uh, Pastor Rick's pastor, and his name's Brother Larry, and we've been reminded a lot about their church. But he says these four things for application I think that could really help you. They're very simple. Just areas that you can, you can look for integrity in your life. Your actions. How you live and, and talk. Well, for me in undergrad, I would talk like this with my fraternity brothers, and I would talk like this with my Christian friends and act like this. And I, my integrity wasn't there, to be honest with you guys. Did my actions always speak or sing the same song? Second one's our finances. Even as a college student. I'm not saying you can't spend money wherever you want, but when it comes to taxes or when I, am I honest with my parents or is there any corrupt part of my finances? You know how many people fall in business because they're, they're fraud and finances? I mean, some of the most incredible business leaders and they just, the money. The past, I, I went to UCA, I know there's other college students in here from other campuses, the past two UCA presidents we've had have fell because of financial fraud. Two people that we thought were incredible fell before you guys, all when I was in school because of money. Great leaders had led an institution for years. You say it's a great school, and they fail and went to jail because of financial fraud. I'm just saying, I don't want it to creep up. You never wake up and say, I want to steal a million dollars. It's a slow thing. Third one is honesty. Your word, man. Our parents, parents, our grandparents especially, their word, men and women, used to mean everything. They didn't sign no contracts. They said, I'm going to do this for you, this you at this time, or I'm going to agree to this, or I'm going to promise this, or hey, if I show you this card, this is how much it's going to, period. It was their word. They were honest people. And I want us to be a minister in a generation that is honest. I'm tired of people saying, oh, I don't know about your, your generation doesn't hold their word. Yes, we do in Jesus' name. God has called us to that. And I want you guys to be people that have integrity there. I know this is hard, but I'm asking you to strive for these things. The fourth one, this is my favorite for you guys, especially college students, is your commitments. Oh, yeah. Some people go, mm. <laughs> Integrity and your commitments. Guys, I, I overcommitted so much in college. And it got where 20% of my time with school, I'd do my homework at 1 in the morning because I loved all these organizations. The organizations are amazing. But I did eight organizations good and none great. And God has not called you to good. He has called you to great. In Jesus' name, you have to know that. So if that means you're only involved in three things or, well, I know sometimes you can't control how many jobs you have because you have to provide. I know there's some single moms in this room. I'm not talking about y'all. But sometimes we just want to do, do, do. Or we can't not be still for a little bit. And we put more on our plate, more on our plate. And we do nothing great. And I wonder if God looks at us and says, I love those things, but I never asked you to do any of them. And I, I, I didn't do that in undergrad. I want y'all to do great things. And I know sometimes for college students, this tends to happen a little more for y'all. Two things, just bonus for commitment. First one, before you accept a new responsibility, count the cost. Look at your energy. That's something we don't think about a lot. Will this take away from my energy? Think of your time. Remember, we talk about you. We all get 24 hours. We budget it. So if I'm going to add two more things to my plate, that means something's going to sacrifice over here. That's what ends up happening. So something will fall when we overcommit. And it's our time with our friends. It's our time with our loved ones. It's time doing things we enjoy. And let me tell you the biggest one in our generation, I promise, it's rest. We've read ten times in your Bible, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Set apart is what holy means. And that's been rocking my world. Because I want to do so much, I don't ever want to rest. I'll rest another day. And I don't want to be the dad one day that doesn't have any energy to spend time with his kids on his day off. Guys, I just want us to be faithful people and not overcommit. Let me tell you the story and we'll finish. 
So I said it earlier, I, I was blessed to be in a fraternity in undergrad, and I loved it. In our fraternity, when I was there, we were striving to, to hit these goals. You know, we, we, we wanted these things like we wanted to be, do the best we could at, at GPA and campus involvement. And we wanted to serve the city of Conway with philanthropies. And it wasn't just things we did. We, we were striving for it. Not everyone got into it, but everyone did it, and it was awesome. And, but, guys, I'll just be honest with you. There's always a group of guys, 5 to 10, 15 people, and they didn't give a rip about anything we were doing. And it didn't matter what they did. They just kind of did their own thing. It was all about having fun, but it was always on the extremes. They, most of the time, they wouldn't remember what they did the night before. And they just had no integrity in their life, I'll be honest with you. And these are my brothers. I love them today. I still keep in touch with them. They had no integrity. And I would meet countless people. I could tell you these people's names. I remember where I was at parties in the student center, in the food court, and I would meet someone because I was blessed to be involved in a lot. And I would say, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm so-and-so. they said, what are you involved in? I'd say these things. I said, I'm in this fraternity. And they said, I hate that fraternity. Well, <laughs> sorry. Why? Because this guy treated me like this, girls. And he did this with me that one night, and this is how he spoke to me. Oh, these guys went out with us, and, and they bought all these things, and it's just the craziest stuff. It was the same guys. And we think it's funny, and, we, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being social. If we're not having fun, it's silly. I want to have fun. But it had no integrity, and it, and it was at the cost of the rest of our fraternity. Because you're always going to remember one bad over ten good every time. But my pledge brother was full of integrity. A man of God, um, I was a new believer when I decided to pledge a fraternity, and he, we were doing it together, and he was already my friend before that, and so you got to know with the story, he, he challenged me a lot, but he was my best friend, one of my best friends, and we decided to pledge together, and he knew why, he had a vision for it, he wanted to, he wanted to be a light in the fraternity, but he, he loved, there's awesome things, I know not, Greek life's not for everyone, but there's some awesome things that happen when you go Greek, and so he enjoyed those things as well, he was excited about those things, but he was honored to represent our fraternity as well, he was excited about that, with the things he did outside of it in his life. And I'll never forget, it was bid day. Bid day is simply, guys, you celebrate receiving the invitation to fraternity. Everyone hangs out. There's parties. It's fun. It's like a, it's a big celebration. I went to his dorm room, and I'll never forget, I brought a water bottle, and I took the label off, and I poured vodka in it. But I put it in a water bottle because it was bid day. I was 20 years old. I wanted to drink, and I didn't really drink. I drank a little bit. I didn't grow up drinking because my dad was an alcoholic, and so I was scared of it. Drank a little my freshman year, and then I was, came to this time. And we were about to go out, and he looked at me, and he's like, what are you doing? I was making a drink. I was like, oh, I'm just going to make a drink, but I'm going to put it in this water bottle so no one will know. It's not a big deal. And he said, hey, man, I'm not, you know, your dad, and I'm not trying to make decisions for you, but you just told me you wanted to be an influence in the fraternity, and you putting liquor in a water bottle is the exact opposite of integrity. And again, he, he's not, he wasn't, he, he's just one of my best friends. He said, bro, just as your friend, I just feel like I want to challenge you. You can do it if you want. I just don't think that's right. And he goes, if you're of age, I think it's one thing, man, but just between me and you, I just don't think that's the wisest choice for you. And I'll never forget it, dude. I just looked at him. I was like, you're so right. And I just poured it out. And again, guys, I'm not against if someone's of age to drink. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I wasn't. And uh, I decided not to because of him. And that whole year, I didn't drink until I turned 21. Then I went out with a group of friends. I had a driver. It was a blast. <laughs> but I'll never forget that year. Not one fraternity brother pressured me to drink. Not one. The older ones, my pledge brothers, Amir, you want to drink? Amir, do you drink? Uh, no, I'm sorry, I don't drink. No problem. Not one. And I had the coolest conversation with these guys in these special moments. And I got to talk about God, whether they had been drinking or not, all because that guy challenged me to have integrity. I don't know if I'd be a pastor today. That's bold to say. It challenged me to have integrity and walk the walk and talk the talk and be different and just wait for a stinking year to have a drink. And I got to have these crazy conversations with guys I fell in love with that were some of my best friends still today about their families, about their girlfriends, about abuse in their life. Sometimes when they'd be drinking, sometimes when they didn't. And it never would have happened if I would have been another face in the crowd. I'm just trying to be honest with you. But he, he looked at me in the eye and said, you have to have integrity. And it rocked me to the core. 
And I, and, I, and I know that can be a little challenging. I'm just trying to share some of my loss with some questions to go along with this is simply this. Does the way you live your life make your organization better or worse? And are you glorifying God the way you live? And so I want you all to be incredible followers. I want you all to be incredible leaders one day. But there's some things we got to start working on now. we got to start thinking about now. we got to think about the way we talk to people, confronting them, honor and, and integrity. Because, guys, when we're doing what we're called to do and as a follower, we're going to make our organization, our job, or even our friend group excel. We're going to knock things out of the park because God has called you to places to make them better, to shake them up. Not that there's anything wrong with them, but you are called to be salt and light of this earth. That's what the word says. And to always influence people, and that influence is always to draw them to love, hope, and the Lord. It's not to shake your finger in their face. Let me say that too. I don't want to talk about crazy, radical Christians, but the coolest part of all this, guys, is the closest you are to Jesus, following Jesus this will all come together. It's like, it's kind of out of your mind to think, but when you're following Jesus and you want to confront, he's going to give you the words to say to confront them. When you're following Jesus and, and you're having a hard time with honor, he's going to show you ways to honor people, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it hurts. When you're following Jesus really closely and you just want to do things right, one day at a time, I'm not talking about being perfect, I'm talking about just doing your best, 1% change. And when you're following Jesus and you just want to almost touch him, metaphorically speaking, like the people do in the world, and they were changed forever in the Bible, you're not going to fall on a big integrity problem because you're so close to the Lord, you don't even care for those things anymore. And I'm only telling this because the failures in my life, that's what this sermon came out of. And I, don't, I always say this, I don't want y'all to be 28 and have these regrets and have the same failures. I want y'all to win. I want y'all to be leaders. I want y'all to be great followers. I want y'all to be set apart. And I want y'all to change this country, this place for the Lord. I know that sounds crazy, but it happens one decision at a time. And I believe if we're great followers, you're going to be some of the best leaders around. Will you bow your heads with me? I'd love to pray for you.